Chapters 73 and 74 of Don Quixote, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Don Quixote, Volume 2 by Miguel Cervantes Saavedra. Translated by John Ormsby. Chapters 73 and 74. Chapter 73. Of the omens Don Quixote had as he entered his own village, and other incidents that embellish and give a color to this great history. At the entrance of the village, so says Cid Hamid, Don Quixote saw two boys quarreling on the village threshing-floor, one of whom said to the other, Take it easy, Periquillo, thou shalt never see it again as long as thou livest. Don Quixote heard this, and said he to Sancho, Dost thou not mark, friend, what that boy said, Thou shalt never see it again as long as thou livest. Well, said Sancho, what does it matter if the boy said so? What, said Don Quixote, dost thou not see that, applied to the object of my desires, the words mean that I am never to see Dulcinea more? Sancho was about to answer, when his attention was diverted by seeing a hare come flying across the plain, pursued by several greyhounds and sportsmen. In its terror it ran to take shelter and hide itself under Dapple. Sancho caught it alive, and presented it to Don Quixote, who was saying, Malum signum, malum signum, a hare flies, greyhounds chase it, Dulcinea appears not. Your worship's a strange man, said Sancho, Let's take it for granted that this hare is Dulcinea, and these greyhounds, chasing it, the malignant enchanters who turned her into a country wench. She flies, and I catch her, and put her into your worship's hands, and you hold her in your arms, and cherish her. What bad sign is that, or what ill omen is to be found here? The two boys who had been quarrelling, came over to look at the hare, and Sancho asked one of them what their quarrel was about. He was answered by the one who had said, Thou shalt never see it again as long as thou livest, that he had taken a cage full of crickets from the other boy, and did not mean to give it back to him as long as he lived. Sancho took out four cuartos from his pocket, and gave them to the boy for the cage which he placed in Don Quixote's hands, saying, There, senor, there are the omens broken and destroyed, and they have no more to do with our affairs, to my thinking, fool as I am, than with last year's clouds. And if I remember rightly, I have heard the curate of our village say that it does not become Christians, or sensible people, to give any heed to these silly things, and even you yourself said the same to me some time ago, 
telling me that all Christians who minded omens were fools. But there is no need of making words about it. Let us push on and go into our village. The sportsmen came up and asked for their hair, which Don Quixote gave them. They then went on, and upon the green at the entrance of the town, they came upon the curate and the bachelor Samson Carrasco, busy with their breviaries. It should be mentioned that Sancho had thrown, by way of a sumpter cloth, over Dapple, and over the bundle of armor, the buckram robe, painted with flames, which they had put upon him at the duke's castle. The knight Altisidora came back to life. He had also fixed the mitre on Dapple's head, the oddest transformation and decoration that ever ass in the world underwent. They were at once recognized by both the curate and the bachelor, who came towards them with open arms. Don Quixote dismounted and received them with a close embrace, and the boys, who are lynxes that nothing escapes, spied out the ass's mitre and came running to see it, calling out to one another, Come here, boys, and see Sancho Panza's ass figged out finer than Mingo, and Don Quixote's beast leaner than ever. So at length, with the boys capering around them, and accompanied by the curate and the bachelor, they made their entrance into the town, and proceeded to Don Quixote's house, at the door of which they found his housekeeper and niece, whom the news of his arrival had already reached. It had been brought to Teresa Panza, Sancho's wife as well, and she, with her hair all loose and half-naked, dragging Sanchica, her daughter, by the hand, ran out to meet her husband, but seeing him coming in by no means as good case as she thought a governor ought to be, she said to him, "'How is it you come this way, husband?' It seems to me you come tramping and foot-sore, and looking more like a disorderly vagabond than a governor. Hold your tongue, Teresa, said Sancho. Often where there are pegs there are no flitches. Let's go into the house, and there you'll hear strange things. I bring money, and that's the main thing, got by my own industry, without wronging anybody. You bring the money, my good husband, said Teresa, and no matter whether it was got this way or that, for however you may have got it, you'll not have brought any new practice into the world. Sanchica embraced her father, and asked him if he had brought her anything, for she had been looking out for him as for the showers of May and she taking hold of him by the girdle on one side, and his wife by the hand, while the daughter led Dapple, they made for their house, leaving Don Quixote in his, in the hands of his niece and housekeeper, and in the company of the curate and the bachelor. Don Quixote at once, without any regard to time or season, withdrew in private with the bachelor and the curate, and, in a few words, told them of his defeat, and of the engagement he was under 
not to quit his village for a year, which he meant to keep to the letter, without departing a hair's breadth from it, as became a knight-errant, bound by scrupulous good faith and the laws of knight-errantry, and of how he thought of turning shepherd for that year, and making his diversion in the solitude of the fields, where he could with perfect freedom give range to his thoughts of love, while he followed the virtuous pastoral calling, and he besought them, if they had not a great deal to do, and were not prevented by more important business, to consent to be his companions, for he would buy sheep enough to qualify them for shepherds. And the most important point of the whole affair, he could tell them, was settled, for he had given them names that would fit them to a T. The curate asked what they were. Don Quixote replied that he himself was to be called the Shepherd Quixotise, and the bachelor the Shepherd Carascon, and the curate the Shepherd Curambro, and Sancho Panza the Shepherd Pancino. Both were astounded at Don Quixote's new craze. However, lest he should once more make off out of the village from them in pursuit of his chivalry, they, trusting that in the course of the year he might be cured, fell in with his new project, applauded his crazy idea as a bright one, and offered to share the life with him. And what's more, said Samson Corasco, I am, as all the world knows, a very famous poet, and I'll be always making verses, pastoral or courtly, or, as it may come into my head, to pass away our time in those secluded regions where we shall be roaming. But what is most needful, sirs, is that each of us should choose the name of the shepherdess he means to glorify in his verses, and that we should not leave a tree, be it ever so hard, without writing up and carving her name on it, as is the habit and custom of love-smitten shepherds. That's the very thing, said Don Quixote, though I am relieved from looking for the name of an imaginary shepherdess, for there's the peerless Dulcinea del Toboso, the glory of these brooksides, the ornament of these meadows, the mainstay of beauty, the cream of all the graces, and, in a word, the being to whom all praise is appropriate, be it ever so hyperbolical. Very true, said the curate, but we, the others, must look out for accommodating shepherdesses that will answer our purpose one way or another. And, added Samson Carrasco, if they fail us, we can call them by the names of the ones in print that the world is filled with. Philides, Amarilises, Dianas, Fleridas, Galateas, Belisardas. For as they sell them in the market-places, we may fairly buy them and make them our own. If my lady, or, I should say, my shepherdess, happens to be called Anna, I'll sing her praises under the name of Angarda, and if Francisca, 
I'll call her Francenia, and if Lucia, Lucinda, for it all comes to the same thing. And Sancho Panza, if he joins this fraternity, may glorify his wife, Teresa Panza, as Teresaina. Don Quixote laughed at the adaptation of the name, and the curate bestowed vast praise upon the worthy and honorable resolution he had made, and again offering to bear him company all the time that he could spare from his imperative duties. And so they took their leave of him, recommending and beseeching him to take care of his health, and treat himself to a suitable diet. It so happened his niece and the housekeeper overheard all the three of them said, and as soon as they were gone, they both of them came in to Don Quixote, and said the niece, What's this, uncle, now that we were thinking you had come back to stay at home, and lead a quiet and respectable life there, are you going to get into fresh entanglements, and turn young shepherd, thou that comest here, young shepherd, going there? Nay, indeed, the straw is too hard now to make pipes of. And, added the housekeeper, will your worship be able to bear out in the fields the heats of summer, and the chills of winter, and the howling of the wolves? Not you, for that's a life and a business for hardy men, bred and seasoned to such work almost from the time they were in swaddling clothes. Why, to make choice of evils, it's better to be a knight-errant than a shepherd. Look here, senor, take my advice, and I'm not giving it to you full of bread and wine, but fasting, and with fifty years upon my head. Stay at home, look after your affairs, go often to confession, be good to the poor, and upon my soul be it any evil comes to you. Hold your peace, my daughters, said Don Quixote. I know very well what my duty is. Help me to bed, for I don't feel very well, and rest assured that, knight-errant now, or wandering shepherd-to-be, I shall never fail to have a care for your interests, as you will see in the end. And the good wenches, for that they undoubtedly were, the housekeeper and niece, helped him to bed, where they gave him something to eat, and made him as comfortable as possible. CHAPTER 74 OF HOW DON QUIXOTE FELL SICK, AND OF THE WILL HE MADE, AND HOW HE DIED. AS NOTHING THAT IS MAN'S CAN LAST FOR EVER, BUT ALL TENDS EVER DOWNWARDS FROM ITS BEGINNING TO ITS END, AND ABOVE ALL MAN'S LIFE, AND AS DON QUIXOTE'S ENJOYED no special dispensation from heaven to stay its course. Its end and close came when he least looked for it. For, whether it was the dejection the thought of his defeat produced, or of heaven's will that so ordered it, a fever settled upon him, and kept him in his bed for six days, during which 
he was often visited by his friends, the curate, the bachelor, and the barber, while his good squire, Sancho Panza, never quitted his bedside. They, persuaded that it was grief at finding himself vanquished, and the object of his heart, the liberation and disenchantment of Dulcinea, unattained, that kept him in this state, strove by all the means in their power to cheer him up, the bachelor bidding him take heart and get up to begin his pastoral life, for which he himself, he said, had already composed an eclogue that would take the shine out of all Sanasaro had ever written, and had bought with his own money two famous dogs to guard the flock, one called Barcino and the other Butron, which a herdsman of Quintanar had sold him. But for all this, Don Quixote could not shake off his sadness. His friends called in the doctor, who felt his pulse, and was not very well satisfied with it, and said that, in any case, it would be well for him to attend to the health of his soul, as that of his body was in a bad way. Don Quixote heard this calmly, but not so his housekeeper, his niece, and his squire, who fell weeping bitterly, as if they had him lying dead before them. The doctor's opinion was that melancholy and depression were bringing him to his end. Don Quixote begged them to leave him to himself, as he had a wish to sleep a little. They obeyed, and he slept at one stretch, as the saying is, more than six hours, so that the housekeeper and niece thought he was going to sleep for ever. But at the end of that time he woke up, and in a loud voice exclaimed, Blessed be Almighty God, who has shown me such goodness. In truth, his mercies are boundless, and the sins of men can neither limit them nor keep them back. The niece listened with attention to her uncle's words, and they struck her as more coherent than what usually fell from him, at least during his illness. So she asked, What are you saying, senor? Has anything strange occurred? What mercies, or what sins of men are you talking of? The mercies, niece, said Don Quixote, are those that God has this moment shown me, and with him, as I said, my sins are no impediment to them. My reason is now free and clear, rid of the dark shadows of ignorance that my unhappy constant study of those detestable books of chivalry cast over it. Now I see through their absurdities and deceptions, and it only grieves me that this destruction of my illusions has come so late that it leaves me no time to make some amends by reading other books that might be a light to my soul. Niece, I feel myself at the point of death, and I would fain meet it in such a way as to show 
that my life has not been so ill that I should leave behind me the name of a madman. For though I have been one, I would not that the fact should be made plainer at my death. Call in to me, my dear, my good friends, the curate, the bachelor, Samson Carrasco, and Master Nicholas, the barber, for I wish to confess and make my will. But his niece was saved the trouble by the entrance of the three. The instant Don Quixote saw them, he exclaimed, Good news for you, good sirs, that I am no longer Don Quixote of La Mancha, but Alonso Quijano, whose way of life won for him the name of good. Now am I the enemy of Amadis of Gaul, and of the whole countless troop of his descendants. Odious to me now are all the profane stories of knight-errantry. Now I perceive my folly, and the peril into which reading them brought me. Now, by God's mercy schooled into my right senses, I loathe them. When the three heard him speak in this way, they had no doubt whatever that some new craze had taken possession of him, and said Samson, What, Señor Don Quixote, now that we have intelligence of the Lady Dulcinea being disenchanted, are you taking this line? Now, just as we are on the point of becoming shepherds, to pass our lives singing like princes, are you thinking of turning hermit? Hush, for heaven's sake, be rational, and let's have no more nonsense. All that nonsense, said Don Quixote, that until now has been a reality to my hurt, my death will, with heaven's help, turn to my good. I feel, sirs, that I am rapidly drawing near death. A truce to jesting. Let me have a confessor to confess me, and a notary to make my will. For in extremities like this man must not trifle with his soul. And while the curate is confessing me, let some one, I beg, go for the notary. They looked at one another, wondering at Don Quixote's words. But, though uncertain, they were inclined to believe him, and one of the signs by which they came to the conclusion he was dying, was this so sudden and complete return to his senses, after having been mad. For, to the words already quoted, he added much more, so well expressed, so devout, and so rational, as to banish all doubt, and convince them that he was sound of mind. The curate turned them all out, and left alone with him, confessed him. The bachelor went for the notary, and returned shortly afterwards with him and with Sancho, who, having already learned from the bachelor the condition his master was in, and finding the housekeeper and niece weeping, began to blubber and shed tears. The confession over, the curate came out, saying, Alonso Quijano the Good, 
is indeed dying, and is indeed in his right mind. We may now go in to him while he makes his will. This news gave a tremendous impulse to the brimming eyes of the housekeeper, niece, and Sancho Panza, his good squire, making the tears burst from their eyes and a host of sighs from their hearts. For, of a truth, as has been said more than once, whether as plain Alonso Quijano the Good, or as Don Quixote of La Mancha, Don Quixote was always of a gentle disposition, and kindly in all his ways, and hence he was beloved, not only by those of his own house, but by all who knew him. The notary came in with the rest, and as soon as the preamble had been set out, and Don Quixote had commended his soul to God with all the devout formalities that are usual, coming to the bequests, he said, Item, it is my will that, touching certain monies in the hands of Sancho Panza, whom in my madness I made my squire, inasmuch as between him and me there have been certain accounts and debits and credits, no claim be made against him, nor any account demanded of him in respect of them, but that, if anything remain over and above, after he has paid himself what I owe him, the balance, which will be but little, shall be his, and much good may it do him. And if, as when I was mad, I had a share in giving him the government of an island, so now that I am in my senses, I could give him that of a kingdom. It should be his, for the simplicity of his character and the fidelity of his conduct deserve it. And then, turning to Sancho, he said, Forgive me, my friend, that I led thee to seem as mad as myself, making thee fall into the same error I myself fell into, that there were and still are knights errant in the world. Ah, said Sancho, weeping, don't die, master, but take my advice and live many years, for the foolishest thing a man can do in this life is to let himself die without rhyme or reason, without anybody killing him, or any hands but melancholies making an end of him. Come, don't be lazy, but get up from your bed, and let us take to the fields in shepherd's trim, as we agreed. Perhaps behind some bush we shall find the lady Dulcinea disenchanted, as fine as fine can be, if it be that you are dying of vexation at having been vanquished, lay the blame on me, and say you were overthrown because I had girthed Rocinante badly. Besides, you, you must have seen in your books of chivalry that it is a common thing for knights to upset one another, and for him who is conquered to-day to be conqueror to-morrow. Very true, said Samson, 
and good Sancho Panza's view of these cases is quite right. Sirs, not so fast, said Don Quixote, in last year's nests. There are no birds this year. I was mad. Now I am in my senses. I was Don Quixote of La Mancha. I am now, as I said, Alonso Quijano the Good, and may my repentance and sincerity restore me to the esteem you used to have for me. And now let Master Notary proceed. Item, I leave all my property absolutely to Antonia Quijana, my niece, here present. After all has been deducted from the most available portion of it that may be required to satisfy the bequests I have made, and the first disbursement I desire to be made is the payment of the wages I owe for the time my housekeeper has served me, with twenty ducats over and above for a gown. The curate and the bachelor Samson Carrasco now present. I appoint my executors. Item. It is my wish that if Antonia Quijana, my niece, desires to marry, she shall marry a man of whom it shall be first of all ascertained, by information taken, that he does not know what books of chivalry are, and if it should be proved that he does, and if in spite of this my niece insists upon marrying him, and does marry him, then that she shall forfeit the whole of what I have left her, which my executors shall devote to works of charity as they please. Item. I entreat the aforesaid gentlemen, my executors, that if any happy chance should lead them to discover the author who is said to have written a history now going about under the title of Second Part of the Achievements of Don Quixote of La Mancha, they beg of him on my behalf, as earnestly as they can, to forgive me for having been, without intending it, the cause of his writing so many and such monstrous absurdities as he has written in it, for I am leaving the world with a feeling of compunction at having provoked him to write them. With this he closed his will, and a faintness coming over him, he stretched himself out at full length on the bed. All were in a flutter, and made haste to relieve him, and during the three days he lived after that on which he made his will, he fainted away very often. The house was all in confusion, but still the niece and the housekeeper drank, and Sancho Panza enjoyed himself, for inheriting property wipes out or softens down in the air the feeling of grief the dead man might be expected to leave behind him. At last Don Quixote's end came.
after he had received all the sacraments, and had in full and forcible terms expressed his detestation of books of chivalry. The notary was there at the time, and he said that in no book of chivalry had he ever read of any knight-errant dying in his bed so calmly and so like a Christian as Don Quixote, who, amid the tears and lamentations of all present, yielded up his spirit, that is to say, died. On perceiving it, the curate begged the notary to bear witness that Alonso Quijano the Good, commonly called Don Quixote of La Mancha, had passed away from this present life, and died naturally, and said he desired this testimony in order to remove the possibility of any author save Seed Hamid Benengeli, bringing him to life again, falsely, and making interminable stories out of his achievements. Such was the end of the ingenious gentleman of La Mancha, whose village Seed Hamid would not indicate precisely, in order to leave all the towns and villages of La Mancha to contend among themselves for the right to adopt him and claim him as a son, as the seven cities of Greece contended for Homer. The lamentations of Sancho and the niece and the housekeeper are omitted here, as well as the new epitaphs upon his tomb. Samson Carrasco, however, put the following lines. A doughty gentleman lies here, a stranger all his life to fear. Nor in his death could death prevail, in that last hour to make him quail. He for the world but little cared, and at his feats the world was scared. A crazy man his life he passed, but in his senses died at last. And said most sage Seed Hamid to his pen, Rest here, hung up by this brass wire, Upon the shelf, O my pen, Whether of skilful make or clumsy cut, I know not. Here shalt thou remain long ages hence, Unless presumptuous or malignant story-tellers Take thee down to profane thee. But ere they touch thee, warn them, And, as best thou canst, say to them, Hold off, ye weaklings, hold your hands, Adventure it let none, For this emprise, my lord the king, Was meant for me alone. For me alone was Don Quixote born, And I for him. It was his to act, Mine to write. We two together make but one, notwithstanding and in spite of that pretended Tordesieski writer, who has ventured or would venture with his great, coarse, ill-trimmed ostrich quill to write the achievements of my valiant knight. No burden for his shoulders, nor subject for his frozen wit. 
If perchance thou shouldst come to know him, Thou shalt warn to leave at rest where they lie The weary, mouldering bones of Don Quixote, And not to attempt to carry him off, In opposition to all the privileges of death, To old Castile, Making him rise from the grave where, In reality and truth, He lies stretched at full length, Powerless to make any third expedition or new sally. For the two that he has already made, so much to the enjoyment and approval of everybody to whom they have become known, in this as well as in foreign countries, are quite sufficient for the purpose of turning into ridicule the whole of those made by the whole set of the knights errant. And so doing, Shalt thou discharge thy Christian calling, Giving good counsel to one that bears ill-will to thee? And I shall remain satisfied, And proud to have been the first who has ever enjoyed The fruit of his writings as fully as he could desire. For my desire has been no other than To deliver over to the detestation of mankind, the false and foolish tales of the books of chivalry, which, thanks to that of my true Don Quixote, are even now tottering, and doubtless doomed to fall forever. Farewell. End of chapters 73 and 74 and end of Don Quixote volume 2 read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto California for LibriVox June 2008